You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. We're here until midday today. Myself, Penny Tannerhoof, in the driving seat, and Dave Kindness alongside. Yeah, good morning all. It's uh, great to be back. I've missed out most of the season. Yes, World Cup's come and gone in that space, Dave. Yeah, it has. Yeah, that was a fantastic... Experience. Yeah. Entertainment experience. Yep, the whole show came to town. It certainly did, and uh, I think it woke a lot of people up to women's football especially, but football in general. Yeah, really yeah, work, good. Work Australia up, Dave. Yep. Yeah. There's uh, a lot more women's football being talked about in all kind of social platforms now than there used to be. Yeah. And in general conversations of those social platforms. Absolutely. Mm. You still get people who are critical, you know. I love the simplicity of the women's game and the, the honesty about it compared to the men's game of rolling around and having agony and <laughs> trying to get penalties and, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, I don't know if I prefer to watch the women's game compared to the men's game or not. It's a, it's a difficult one, but uh, the simplicity and the honesty and they, they're there to play the game. There's a lot of progress to be made. There's a lot of growth that can happen in terms of um, access to resources, uh, wages, um, facilities, just uh, seeing it available mm-hmm. uh, in place. So there's a lot of spaces for it to grow into yet, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That, to me, is very exciting, where we can go with yeah. our game. And if you're involved with any other sport, a women's sport compared to a men's side of things, I'm pretty sure that you'd have those kind of platforms that you're growing into as well. So there's excitement, you know, comparable in other sports. 
So with soccer, it's uh, the world game, and Absolutely. you know who knows where it's going to be in five years' time, or the next Women's World Cup mm. time, or, or the Optus Stadium time when we get to see the Olympic <laughs> qualifiers in a matter of weeks. Now, yeah, I know. Are you going? Uh, yes, of course. Excellent. Yeah, I still haven't got my ticket though. <laughs> I don't know how the tickets are going. I, I know that uh, as soon as they became available on the pre sale, I was ready with my finger on, on my phone. On the button, yeah. Two oh 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 point oh one second, ding, and yep, I was in line with about fourteen hundred and thirty-two other people, and wow, it went down pretty quick actually. And it's yeah. like, yes, tickets. I'm like, yes, okay, <laughs> I'm in. And then HBF Park Games as well. Yeah, so. rectangular stadium. Yes, the Perth Rectangular Stadium, or just the Perth Oval. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit confusing with a, a few HBF-titled stadiums around town. Yeah, there is too many. Flipping act. Yeah. Today's show, we've got lined up a few guests for you, as usual, of course. We've got Tommy Dolman, Football West match commentator and reporter, going to chat to us about what's happening in the local game, and there is a lot of things happening in the local game. We'll have a chat to... Robbie Gasper, who's a former former professional player in Asia of about 10 years yeah. and uh, has got a few things in his portfolio there and he'll join us for conversations about the Asian Champions League, Perth Glory, A-League and a few other things. Yeah. Phil Kelly, who is the chair of the State League Standing <coughs> Committee, chat about uh, what's happening, promotion and relegation, um, a few other conversational pieces there around standing committees. And Greg Farrell, who is the Director of Coaching at Futsal WA and NPLW Coach at Subiaco. Uh, Subiaco finished second from the bottom in the NPLW. Yeah, Safe from promotion and relegation Just, this time around. Yeah. Yep. Mm. But uh, a lot of improvement in the club since uh, Greg took the reins yeah. there. We'll see what happens there. And I think it was a Mark Wingle took over the men's NPL. Uh, not... Uh, Subiaco, not in the men's NPL, in the um, State League. What division are they in? One or one. two? One. one. Yep, he took over it towards the end of the season, didn't he, Mark Wingle? Did he? At Subiaco. Mark was at Perth, yeah. Yeah, he was. Then good, moved on. Yeah. Yeah, I think he ended up at, was it Subiaco? The end of part of the season? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, mm. some, somebody make Dexter in and keep us, keep yep. us right in that one. Tommy can. Can't certainly. always be right, you know? Yeah, no. <laughs> Now, too much in my head with football stuff. I've got to concentrate on the women's stuff. Sorry, Ian. Just the women's stuff, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much to everyone that supports us. Love the fact that you become members and join the station. It's uh, about 35 bucks to become a member. You can get in contact with the station direct Monday to Friday, Radio Fremantle, and that helps just to pay the bills. We're a community station, so we survive on memberships and grants from government. And um, sponsorships and partnerships, much like Futsal WA and Gate and Fence Hardware WA and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. So thanks, everyone, for jumping on board there and helping us out. We do appreciate it. We've been here a few decades now and we just do it because we love it. And there's lots of football to talk about in there, Dave. Absolutely, yeah. Always, always. So before we get Tommy Dolman on and have a chat, I think I'm coming down with something which is very annoying when you talk on the radio and you have to keep talking for two hours. Damn it. Um, You'll manage, Benny. I will get through, I'm sure. <laughs> and if I don't, I'm sure you can jump in for me, Dave. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, a big shout-out to everybody who's finished their season now, um, wrapping up with things like uh, Country Week and the Para Football Championships is yep. coming up next yep. week at State Football Centre. All the finals are happening at State Football Centre. Perth Gorys into their pre-seasons. Yep. Um, down in 
Hay Park in Bunbury this weekend. Yes, this weekend, yeah. Melbourne Victory. Also, there's the awards night coming up. Yep, the NPL yeah. Awards night, yeah. which is um, mid-week, is it Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a bit <clears throat> strange, I think, having a presentation night on a midweek night. Um, well, they've changed it since they moved it out of uh, the Crown and uh, when it was made a big, it smaller. Big splashy affair pre-COVID, I think that was. Yeah, and then since COVID, it's changed. I, I actually prefer a new um, method of doing it. The format, the smaller yeah, the format, format yeah. and a little bit more uh, shorter, briefer. Yeah, get on with it, get it done. Yeah. Then have a couple of glasses of wine and go home. Yeah, yeah, a bit more of a stand-up affair. We can socialise a bit and, yeah, get on with things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. I just uh, prefer it on a weekend rather than a midweek. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how other people feel about that, but um, I don't know, just a bit more relaxed on, on a weekend when you can yeah. kind of plan a little bit easier rather than the getting to and from work. I just find traffic around Perth during the week now is absolute hell. It is very, very difficult. I love it yeah. when school holidays are on and the usual to and from peak hour traffic just goes out of Perth. Everyone goes on holidays. Yeah. And it's a bit easier to get to and from work. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy. Uh, there's a state coaching conference coming up Saturday, 28th of October at the State Football Centre. It's yep. a whole day affair. 130 bucks. if you're interested in that. Yeah, and basically NMD can go along to that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, people going along just to represent the club and get up to speed with what's happening and how the coaching courses are changing and it's it's not about actual coaching courses, you know, going on. It's about updates, what's happening in the industry. Yeah. yeah. There's a keynote speaker there, <clears throat> Ernie Merrick will be there. Okay. Well he's got a new job with uh, Football Australia. He, I can't remember the title but uh, yeah. And Obviously then, one of his roles is travelling to the States to you know, give information out to prospective coaches and across the industry and Yeah. That's good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enrolled to go along. Looking forward to that. Um, the Para Football Championships are on next week at the State Football Centre. Wednesday, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday to Friday. Mm. I think the finals are Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. Um, but matches are, are live on the Football Australia YouTube channel. So if you don't get a chance to get down and mm. watch or part, participate in some way. Um, yeah, and Gloria playing... Is it Sunday? Must be playing Sunday. Down in Bunbury, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Melbourne victory against Glory. Yeah. That'll be a cracker. Yeah. Great and to have that down in Bunbury. Yeah. They've got a luncheon going on as well. With uh, Popovich. Yeah. Popovich. Bob and Stage. Yeah. 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 That'll be a cracker too. If you want any more information about what I've talked about, the local stuff, uh, footballwest.com.au website or perthglory.com.au. Yeah. Of course, if you want to get tickets for games, then get on to perthglory.com.au. Um, I don't know how our membership's going. I must uh, get in contact with Gareth Morgan about that and just find out how the free passes for the Liberty A-League are going and generally how membership for the club are going. Yeah. I know that they've gone pretty well in other clubs. Yeah. I don't know how they're tracking with Perth Glory. Well, I know that uh, a lot of the members have been contacted, or former members have been contacted, Good. and, you know, do you want to renew and... Uh, I think most of them are all signing up again. Yep, back at uh, the main oval in Perth, that is for the guys. The women are playing at Macedonia Park. Yep. Sterling Lions, 
background for another season, I think. That'll be they signed up for three years, I think, didn't they? So it'll be one more season. I think it's two they've already played there. Yeah. Hmm. Be interesting to see what happens with a new Perth Glory owner comes on. What'll what'll happen there? Where they'll end up? Yeah, they're still good to find one yet, though, aren't they? They do. Anyone out there? <laughs> contact. Don't contact us. Contact uh, Perth Glory. Yeah. Give them a call. I don't know, who do you call if you want to be an owner of a football club, Dave? Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Get onto Facebook. Send them a message on Messenger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we'll go to a break and we'll come back and we'll have a chat to Tommy Dolman about more things local football. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio, and Tommy Dolman joins us from somewhere in Perth. Good morning, Tommy. How are you? I'm good, Penny. How are you? <laughs> awesome. What are you up to today? What, what football's on your plate? Uh, no football today. Um, football is tomorrow, though. Amateur Cup weekend. Yep. Um, obviously here. So, um, yeah, my last weekend of commentary for the season. And, um, yeah, it's always a bit of a fun weekend, the amateur weekends. You get some slightly different games there to say to what I'm used to seeing in the NPL men's and women's on a, um, on a regular basis. But... Um, it's usually a little bit more casual and a little bit more fun, and um, obviously it's headlined by the Amateur Cup final, which is the um, the fourth of the four games. Is it a busy, or has it been a busier year of football for you than it was last year? Um, 
well, I, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's I mean, I'm, I'm surprised if people aren't sick of my voice. To be honest, because <laughs> I feel like I've done more games than ever this year. But no, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to, to to be given the opportunity by Football West to do the commentary on the NPL men's and women's, and um, among other things, um, some Australia Cup local games. Uh, obviously, the top four games, um, the amateurs this weekend. Um, the promotion playoffs last weekend as well, so it's been a um, yeah, it's been a bumpy year, but it's a super fun year as well. And um, yeah, the football was pretty damn entertaining. Let me tell you that. Yeah, it's. I've been talking about that with a few people. What is it about this year where it's been kind of like some real um, close matchups right to the end of the season? Like some some leagues, same points for a couple of teams right up until the final match. It's been nail biting. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, well, I mean. Men's competition. I think it was only about fifteen or sixteen points in the end. It was a um, remarkable campaign. But um, even even if you look back to last season, we saw Florida Cena win on the, win the uh, league title on the final day um, with that ninety third minute winner from Bailey Brown Montgomery to give them a three two win against Armadale. So yeah, the football has been pretty entertaining across the board for the last couple of seasons. Um, and obviously in the women's competition, I suppose the suspense at the top of the league hasn't been. As heightened, given the um, given the dominance of Perth Red Star, um, who deserve all the praise in the world, really, for what they've been able to do on the men's and women's side at NPL level, not just this year, but over the past couple of years in general. But um, yeah, it's. Um, it, 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 I think. Um, I think sometimes. Um, I think sometimes we we can be a little bit down in the dumps on 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 the football that's on show. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, in terms of entertainment value and, and the products being something that you want to watch week in, week out, the twists and turns, the sort of narrative, the, the tightness of the league in the leagues in general, um, not just the NPL level either, but even, even in Division 1, we had a two-horse race for the title there. Um, we had those interdivisional playoffs as well. Um, I, I think in terms of just the entertainment in general, it's been, um, it's been a sensational year. Give us a little bit of a, a wrap of who's up and who's down. Now it's all over. So, last weekend we had the interdivisional playoffs. Um, we, it was a doubleheader at the State Football Centre on Saturday afternoon. And what we saw was Subiaco, who finished 11th in Division 1, play Curtin University, who finished 3rd in Division 2. They met in the interdivisional, uh, sorry, the interdivisional final um, for, for a place in Division 1 next season. And Subiaco were able to maintain their spot in the second tier. Um, they had a 2-0 win over Curtin University, a couple of goals in the first half there, and um, that basically maintained their status. So Mark Wingle, um, former Perth coach, uh, very successful assistant to Ramon Falzone over many of those successful Perth years, um, came in and really achieved the goal that was set of him in terms of keeping the um, the, the side in the league um, it, down at Subiaco, and um, that'll be a big relief for them. They've got some very good juniors there, and they've got some good young players as well coming through the system. So... Um, if they can add maybe a few more senior players next season, it's definitely something to build on. And, and obviously, I suppose that depends on whether Mark will stay as well. Um, Kern obviously didn't quite get the chocolates on the day, but um, under Troy Reid, they finished eighth, fifth and third, I think, in his three seasons. So you're seeing incremental progress there, and I suspect he will be... Um, and I suppose, um, it, I suppose they'll be looking um, at, at maybe pushing for promotion again. And then in the... Second of the two games last weekend, um, we had Fremantle City versus Joondalup United, um, which was a battle between third and fourth in the in, in State League Division One. Um, fourth place, Joondalup United actually knocked out Sorrento over two legs. 
um, who, who were of, of, of the NPL and who have been in the top five for quite some time. So that was a little bit of an upset, um, to be honest with you. And um, it meant that Fremantle City and June Lock United were playing in the um, divisional final last weekend. And Frio came from a goal down with three goals in the final 20 minutes to send their fans into a frenzy. Um, as I said on the call, it was a fantastic evening. The atmosphere was magnificent there at the State Football Centre. And that's what it's all about, Penny. It's all about colour, noise, atmosphere, its vibrancy, its tension and its games, which matter something, matter and, and mean something. And I think the whole crowd and, and the whole atmosphere of the evening, everybody was just feeding off it. And, and that's what football is all about for me. So... Um, yeah, fantastic for Fremantle and their fans to, to be able to earn promotion. And we're going to have a couple of fresh faces in the MPLWA 2024 in, in Western Knights who won the league in Division 1 and obviously Fremantle City as well. Yeah. Well, this is what we want, isn't it? And we also want people like yourself who put that passion into the way that you talk and call games and write your reports and whatever. So that in, instigates more of the passion out there, Tommy. Yeah, that's what we need. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah, um... Well, that, again, football doesn't matter what level of the game it is, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's um, uh, the MPLWA. Um, people care about it. People care about their teams. People care about players, whether it's family members, whether it's um, guys or, or girls they've become attached to over the course of a, of a season or two. Um, so the games do mean something. And, um, yeah, and, and I think it is important, um, like you say, to get that, to get that sort of... Um, interest and, and passion out there because um, if people care about it, then they, they want they, they want to feel that other people care about it as well. For want of a better way of saying it, Tommy, I'm interested on your thoughts about Perth Red Star. That they're a club at the top of it all at the moment. They've got good underpinning structures. They seem quite you know, stable in where they're at. They're at top of the leagues. What could be next for them? Well, it's hard to say. Um, I, I suppose that's a question you'd have to put to Simon Hicks and to the, uh, and to the, the, the higher-ups at the Red Star in terms of their ambitions going forward. But I suppose my key takeaway, um, let's not forget that ECU during the up in the men's and northern Redbacks in the women's side were two very successful uh, set-ups for yes. a number of years, even before um, the merger happened. And... They've obviously amalgamated um, and become Perth Red Star and it turned out to be a very successful merger. Um, obviously, two, two sides who obviously share values and common values in terms of bringing younger players through and what they've been able to do is bring together um, a, a group and obviously Red Star so close to winning the league this season. The men's side got it done this year. Uh, the women's side were undefeated and had a clean sweep of the trophies last season. Um, not as much success uh, this year, but still one that's winning a double at women's level and um, only losing two games in the league all campaign long. So um, I think part of it is, um, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of this personally myself, is I think the merger system is something which has been pretty successful. And I think if you can pull clubs together, you pull resources you together, you pull coaching, um, player players, um, academies, um, all even, even space in, in parks, which I know is just something that you've discussed on your program before, Penny, in terms of having that grasp for people to play football on. If yeah. you're sort of pulling the resources together and you're having stronger clubs, and I think that's something that's only good and only better for football in general and what's obviously a pretty competitive field in terms of the amount of um, football clubs that we've 
got here in the state. And we've seen some pretty successful examples, Perth Red Star being one. Um, you're obviously close to one yourself, Penny, in terms of Murdoch University, Melville. Yep. Um, we, we've seen Caramel Shamrock Rovers merge in um, in fairly recent times as well. Um, there's a load of others as well who um, don't necessarily... Uh, Kingsley Westside, um, another one, Junior's based up there in the northern suburbs, merging with Kingsley Westside, and they're in State League Division 1 this season, um, having earned promotion. Matt, Maddington, Calamunda, White City, um, merged and stadially completed back-to-back promotions from the amateurs to Division 1. They just fell short of curtain in the interdivisionals. So there's some really good examples of mergers and stronger clubs, uh, stronger pulled together, um, the resources being shared, um, and... I think that's something which I think a few clubs um, could, could maybe potentially look at um, because at the end of the day, the stronger the club, um, the more, not financially powerful, I suppose is the wrong way to put it, but um, you're able to spread your resources around uh, that little bit more and I think that's just good for, for football on and off the pitch in the state. But that's just my personal opinion anyway as, I, um, as an observer looking from the outside in. I think you're spot on there. If you can... Merge your resources and have a you know stronger structure. Lobby to your local councils for facilities. You can um, have access to the players. Then the next tier up for me would be Australia Cup. Yeah. So, but th- there is also you know a lot of it is necessity. Absolutely. Yeah. You, Governments uh, are pushing for clubs to merge because of resources. Yeah. Exactly. And mm. get it. Yeah. Right. You do end up with a situation like Murdoch, um, Melville, as you mentioned. Uh, they're still in three different locations, and there's a big break within the club yep. of the different sections that play in different yes. places. And a lot of people don't know what goes on. However, when we only had the two sections, a lot of people didn't know what was going on yep. from one part of the club to the other. And I think it's a marketing of our own product. We need to improve on. Yes. Yeah. Well, Northern Redbacks and Junlop, same scenario. Tommy mentioned there. Now the Perth Red Star, they're still playing across across multiple locations. They yeah. have they have to because of the numbers. Yeah. So there's a you could say it's a disconnect, or you could say that well, it's just a matter <coughs> of how do they brand the product so that their elite programs are in a certain space and using certain resources and these are the pathways and then these are the junior programs that they're in a certain area and a certain space using you know, different resources. It, it's a matter of branding, isn't it, Tommy? I mean, you, you, I don't think there's any huge grass space anywhere where you can find three clubs might merge and become a superpower and there's one amazing space of grass and a facility that they'll get They'll might merge their resources, but it won't necessarily mean that there'll be one big space for them to be in. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, and that's another that's another positive as well. I know that you've spoke to, to, to people on your program before, Penny, about um, the lack of um, football pitches, football areas, and and it comes to another conversation um, that you've also had as well with regards to facilities and and to going to councils and upgrading and um, it, yeah, I mean it's it's. It's obviously, um, I suppose it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose if you're in a position of, of somebody at the council, if you've got, um, just as a throwaway line, 10 clubs within the space of 10 kilometres of each other, to be, able to, uh, um, to be able to offer up funding and offer up financing to, um, to, to certain areas um, over other, other areas. And that's, that's often um, a bit of a sticking point. So, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not 
particularly an expert on that field. Um, I leave that more for people um, uh, who are obviously more sort of in tune with the with the sort of business aspect and obviously with those government relations and powers and everything like that to to sort of talk more expertly about that. But I'm just sort of looking at it from a um, from a purely footballing uh, perspective from the outside in as an observer in that um, we've seen just examples of clubs merging and, and being fairly successful in recent times and I'm just wondering whether it is um, the way forward and whether some clubs may also look to look to sort of do that in the future but obviously um, it, it does take as I'm sure you guys are all aware the uh, that, that working together and that team aspect and that's something which has clearly worked to an absolute T um, with both at ECU during the lot with um, Northern Redbacks and, and, and the way that Perth Red Star has sort of formed. Tommy, what about at the um, bottom end uh, of the elite uh, pathway, so to speak? We've got NPL, State League 1 and 2, and then there's also the movement from Amateur Premier Division into State League Division 2. What was happening in that space? So Emerald won the Amateur Premier League on the final day of the season, final uh, final round of the season. Rather, it was a two-team shootout, really, between them and East Perth. Um, East Perth just fell short on goal difference, so it was a super tight league. Emerald won the league, but um, as far as I'm aware, they didn't. Um, they either didn't meet the criteria or they didn't want to be uh, promoted to the Saturday competitions. Um, so East Perth, who finished second, um, were able to earn promotion um, as, as a result to Division 2. And seemingly, um, although there's been no confirmation from Football West officially, um, based, based on what we've sort of read on the forums and, and various other pieces, it seems as though East Perth are going to replace Morley Windmills um, in the State League competitions for next season. Um, but it's a remarkable story, really, from an East Perth um, perspective. Um, I think they were only formed around 10 years ago. Um, they've very big Irish community, as had Emerald, uh, who, who won the league. And um, they, they started in the old hub leagues um, back in the day. They've come up through the amateur competitions um, and now they're um, they're obviously taking that move up to Saturdays, um, which is what um, Maddington have done in recent years, which is what Kingsley Westside have done in recent years. And they're looking to sort of grow and, and strengthen um, their club. And, um, yeah, they've, they've, got, um, they've got a women's side, I think, I believe, as well at East Perth. Um, They've got a couple of other sort of um, junior teams and, and, and younger teams sort of um, in, in the pipeline as well there. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to, to follow their journey over the next few years, that's for sure. Now, Tommy, before we let you go, um, in the NPLW space, there's a little bit of, um, a, you know, open discussion because Curtin are in relegation position and no, no surprise, uh, the promotion and relegation is kicking in. And that'll leave the league with uh, 17, but they drop out because the top two in the next tier are not ready to move up. Thoughts? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure what the movement is going forward on that front. The, the only thing that we do know is that Hammersley um, were winners of the league. Um, uh, they had a fantastic season. Ben and Steve has done a really good job there as, as the head coach, and um, they've um, got some former MPLW players in their in their ranks, from the likes of Christy Astorp and um, and Nadia Harvey. So um, they won the league, but opted um, not to take up the offer of promotion this season, as they wanted to be um, not not to rush it and to and to be um, ready for for future years um, to have that sort of stronger pathway and that stronger foundation, which is which is fair enough. And um, 
and obviously that is incumbent on the club to be able to make that decision. Um, I think Perth AFC finished uh, second, but but are also similarly not um, necessarily in the um, pipeline in terms of wanting to to be promoted. And UWA Netherlands uh, finished third. Um, but obviously, as you mentioned before, the, the situation with, with Curtin is something that's um, obviously still, I suppose, bubbling away in the background and we'll wait to see, uh, I suppose, an official announcement on that in the coming weeks to, as to what the decision is um, for the for Curtin and for the, the NPL uh, WA Women's Competition in 2024. Yep, it'll set a little bit of a precedent going forward and you know, promotion and relegation it makes it exciting and... We all kind of expect that uh, if you do well, you get the opportunity to move up. And if you get trounced, then you're going to be moving down. Yeah. One of the things, of course, with the teams coming up, it's a huge change uh, in in their whole setup. You know, they've got to abide by the rules for the NPL. You know, it's run by Football Australia, not by Football West. And uh, if you don't meet the criteria, criteria, you can't get in. It's Hammersley. They'd have to use the rope system, and it's getting all the volunteers along to help do that. And everything else, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And but you also got to remember <coughs> that it was only in the last twelve months that we changed the structure of the league. So in that structure of the league, you've got to be a little bit compassionate about the teams and where they were placed before and where mm. they're placed now yep. and what their future plans were and what their resources were at that time. So you know, do, do you put a you know, moratorium and say, OK, for a team that comes up, um, give them 12 months, see how they go, or do you put promotion and relegation in and the next best placed team is the one that's able to comply that goes up? Well, the ladder was used in the men. Sorry, Tom. Oh, no, I was, I was just about to say, I think the other thing that we forget with the MPLW Women's Competition as well is that we've only just completed the fourth season of it. And the, the first two seasons, well, definitely the first season anyway, was pretty heavily impacted by COVID in 2020. Yep. So it is still a relatively young competition. Um, and there are clubs who are definitely trying to do the right thing um, in, in the female space and in terms of building their clubs and building their um, their junior systems Um Obviously, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, the influx of female players that are coming into various clubs, obviously off the back of the recent FIFA Women's World Cup. So um, there's, there's a few things that are going to grow um, in terms of, of the game here locally, and, and it'll be interesting to see how clubs adjust to it. But I'm always sort of wary, and, and I'm completely understanding of clubs who are wanting to be cautious um, in terms of not necessarily going into the deep end and then not quite being able to... Um, continue that on going forward um, and, and I think you are right Penny I think while we are still in these relatively young and early stages as um, the MPLWA Women's Competition there are there are some elements of compassion um, that do have to be put into place but um, you also as, as Dave sort of alluded to that there are obviously uh, changes that are coming from, from Football Australia which uh, there are far more people who are more Expert, expertly sort of guided on those that I am, but um, but there's obviously some changes that are going to have to be adhered to on that front. So it's that it's that fine balancing act. But I, I would always sort of um, remind people that um, we are still quite young as an MPLWA women's competition. Obviously, just having completed the fourth season with yes. the first at least season and a half or two affected by COVID, and um, I'm sure the game will only continue to grow and um, and, and improve. And um, but but there are some great signs. And we've seen some great football over the past couple of years. 
uh, predominantly played by Red Star, but um, but in terms of some of these teams like like Perth, like Fremantle City, like the NPC, which is uh, which is created, which has developed some sensation players um, like Tamika, like Grace Johnson, George Cassidy, um, all of whom, uh, Ruby Cuthbert, Iskia Brooking, all of whom have moved on to A League opportunities this season. I think the, the future for the game is very bright here in WA in general, and um, yeah, once once a couple more years um, sort of tune on. Um, the, the, the existing sort of foundations that have been learned, and I think we'll have a better idea of where we're at as a um, NPLWA women's competition. How many years old is the NPL men's comp? <laughs> I think the NPLWA men's competition started in 2014, off the top of my head. So around 10 years. Yeah, okay. There was a few teething problems when that started as well. Yeah. 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 Correct, and and like any new competition or any new format, there's always going to be some varying teething problems. Um, I, I suppose the only thing is I don't know the context in terms of when the NPL women's competition in Victoria, New South Wales, etc., etc., started off. So um, I'd have to go have to go back and have a look at that. But yeah, I think I, I think broadly speaking, I mean, you just look at some of the young players on the female side who have come through in recent years and and who are now getting opportunities at a higher level and. Um, that's essentially what, what the game's all about here, Penny. It's all about developing the, the future, the, the stars of the future and um, watching them grow into um, talented players who can um, hopefully either go and ply their trade on a full-time professional basis uh, overseas if they can't do it locally or, um, or better still, representing the, uh, the Matildas in, in future years. Absolutely. We're going to let you go because we've got a, a guest in the studio here that we're going to jump on and have a chat with. But, uh, Tommy, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate that. And, um, uh, yeah, if it's your last uh, call this weekend, then um, you'd be having a bit of a break, mate. Well done. No, thank you, Danny. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the program this year. And, uh, yeah, State Football Centre, four games tomorrow if anyone's going to lose on, on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you've got to yeah. work towards being the Perth Glory match <coughs> commentator now, Tommy. Put that in your portfolio. <laughs> Maybe one day, Penny, will see. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Tommy. Have a good weekend. Good on you, Tom. Take care, guys. See Bye. ya. That was Tommy Dorman, Football West match commentator, <coughs> match reporter. We will go to a break and then we'll come back and chat more. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. Stay with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. A true glory supporter is someone who gives their 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. 
suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waves. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Dave and Robbie Gasper in the studio. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Penny. Robbie. Thank morning, you for Dave. joining us. I think Abba this is the first <laughs> okay. time we've had you in there. Thanks for we've... having me. Appreciate it. No problems at all. Uh, we're going to just uh, wrap up a few more local things we didn't have a chance with Tommy to chat about. So the Goldfields Challenge Cup was yep. last weekend. So that was the Perth Glory women against the WA Select team. And the Perth Glory men against WA Select team. Yeah. Perth Glory did pretty well. Won both games, 4-0 and 3-0. And I was pretty excited to see on the women's side of things, Millie Farrow playing for Perth Glory women, scoring three goals. That yeah. made me very excited. Absolutely. Bring on the Perth Glory women's season. Um, another couple of things, the state teams for the boys and girls are selected and their championships are in the next couple of weeks over in New South Wales. So congratulations to all the young lads and lasses who have been selected there for West Australia, mostly Perth Glory based in both squads. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's 15s boys, 16s boys and then oh yeah, 14s and 16s girls, so four squads. But uh, three quarters of all the squads are Perth Glory, and then there's a sprinkling of Perth Red Star and Perth Soccer Club players. So congratulations to all the young ones there, and uh, enjoy your football on the national stage. Para football is happening at the State Football Centre. If you want to know more about that, um, go to Football Futures Foundation or footballwest.com.au. Their Facebook page is probably the best place to land. So Football West. Facebook page. It's pretty much got everything on it. The NPL Awards Night is October 18 at the Western. I think it's the same place it was last year, yeah. right, Dave? Yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> and finals are on tomorrow at the State Football Centre starting at, I think, 10 o'clock the first game, the Metro Cup for the Masters, and then the Women's Cup, which is Sorrento and Fremantle. Would that be right? And men's amateur Emerald and Kingsley Westside, and then at four forty-five is Wembley Downs and Perth AFC. Three guys and one women's game. So lots of things happening still. Packing it in for the last week of football for the season. I don't think there's anything more after this week, Dave. Locally. Don't think so. That yeah, that's about it. Pretty much wraps it all up, yeah. I reckon. How good is it having a state football centre where all the games can be played there and yeah. a really good football facility? So. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Yep, um, no complaints from me so far, except the fact that the damn canteen's so far away when it's pissing down with rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> we need to something much here in Perth anyway, so we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And they also need to get, take the price of the pies, though. Come on, <laughs> too too expensive. It's all about the football. Yeah, it's all, all about the football. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up what's happening locally. Like I said, go to footballwest.com.au or. Um, World Football Program Facebook page if you want to find out what's happening. You become a member of that and throw information on there and share it with everyone else. Robbie, introduce yourselves to our listeners. Cheers, thanks, Benny. Um, anyway, West Australian, actually grew up just down the road in Spearwood. Um, There's something I, in the water around here. Lisa Devana, <laughs> Sam Kerr, <laughs> Jason Robbie Peckovich, Speaker. Yeah, Michael Peckovich, Jason Peckovich. Um, nice. 
yeah, so I grew up down the road, started playing at Spiel Delis, um, ended up playing at Melville for a little bit, and then, um, yeah, went to Western Knights and sort of played first team there in, back in 97, can't believe it, it's that long, long ago, and then um, ended up going to play in Croatia, came back home, played in the old National Soccer League, came back and then ended up having 10 years in, in Asia. That is a lot of football to pack into that very young-looking body. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, <laughs> I feel pretty old, you know. So, um, and yeah, how do you say? Then when I finished up, I was fortunate enough to go down and play with Dave down at Murdoch Melville, at Melville. We hadn't sort of become Murdoch Melville at that mm. stage. Hey, play with Dave. Did you guys both play Masters football? Is that what you're talking about? No, Amateur no, no, football? No no, 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 no. Dave was my president. Yeah, I was the main man at that time, yeah. Yep. Things has changed. Um Robbie scored an absolute stunning goal against Forestfield in the dying seconds for us to beat Forestfield. <laughs> it just whacked it, posted stamp, unbelievable. And the the coach at Forestfield who has passed, uh, Rod Banjak, yep. was just gutted. He yep. was just I bet fearful. there was a few choice words. <laughs> I bet. There's a gentleman, gentleman in the studio, but I've heard him on the side of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> It was a cracker. Good, good memory. Yeah. Nice. I remember that one. That's what you like about football. They would have sent a few people wild in the crowd. Oh. I actually got back at Forestville back in the day, you know, before they had done the redevelopment. You know, there was so many people there. And it was actually really enjoyable dropping down and playing there in Div 2. And, yeah, had a really good time with mm. the boys down there. Gab Brown was a coach. Um, yeah, Matt Donnelly was playing <laughs> and had some really good times. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, Gavin Brown's um, got quite a coaching portfolio now. He's down at the John Curtin Special Soccer Program or Football Program and yep. um, with Perth Glory and with State Team Boys, I think, too. I saw his yep. name pop up there. He's in the youth development area because he's educational as in, um, you know, as to do with football as well. But yep. a lot of the kids are in the school being educated uh, it's a bit like the French style, you know. Yeah. And I actually went to John Curtin as well and um, had an awesome time and loved it and sort of, yeah, seeing Gav down there and seeing the program still, you know, thriving with Peter Rickers as well, just sort of finishing up yeah, yeah. last year. And, yeah, Peter had a massive influence on my career and probably I probably wouldn't have reached the heights or, you know, went to the places I did if I didn't have sort of Peter as my coach going through, you know, John Curtin Senior High School. So it's, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of the program and Peter. Mentoring mm. and guiding you through opportunities and development. Yeah, yeah, it was just awesome. You know, never sort of put <coughs> push on you. Always sort of, you know, like gave you opportunity to express yourself and just yeah, as extra sessions throughout the week, um, and also playing alongside, you know, sort of a decent, you know, like sort of bunch of boys and girls were in the program as well. And yeah, I just I loved it. I loved going to school and loved going to John Curtin. Mm. Sort of can't speak highly enough of the program. Mm, there are a few football specialist programs around Perth, but the one that seems to always float to the top. With um, names that we recognise, at least Devana and, and so forth. Brad is. Jones was a year below me, and um, yeah, how do you say some other boys that came through there as well? And um, yeah, it was and girls, and it's just such an awesome place to go and sort of you know you pack your pack your boots to go to school, and instead of doing sport, you're doing soccer, and you know like in your sport, and get to play games <laughs> in the afternoon. Wonderful. Safety Bay was another soccer specialist or football specialist That's program. Jessie mm. Monzas, who was with the Perth Glory for many years in NTC. Yeah. Yeah, she was down there. Yeah. Mm. It's good. It, so why are you back in Perth? I've been back in Perth since 2013, since retiring. Um, yeah, still I stayed involved in a game probably up until 2021. I um, was working for the World Players Union, FIFPRO, 
um, and how that started. I sat on the foreign player union board, no, uh, the Indonesian player union board for maybe two and a half years while I was there. And I was just passionate about players and looking after them and making sure they're sort of treated with the respect they deserve and they didn't have much of a voice and we just sort of yeah I just jumped on board there and with the players union and yeah just really enjoyed it so my remit was sort of looking after Southeast Asia also India um, Korea and Japan and I was the advisor to the chairman of the um, of FIFA Pro and yeah I just had an awesome time traveling around Southeast Asia and around Asia and um, sort of helped set up the players union in Malaysia you know just sort of helped with organizing with strategy and and whatnot, and so yeah, sort of got and stayed involved in the game. But then around 2015, I had the opportunity to work for the Players Association here in here in Australia as a player development manager for Perth Glory, both men and women. Um, I've done that for maybe seven years, and um, and then also I worked in the player transition space, helping players with their transition out of the game, and that was all over Australia. And then also with the players, the alumni, the past players, and. Um, yeah, just assisting them as well, and um, so it was just a passion of mine, players, and sort of I'm a bit of a players man, and um, yeah. But then, sort of back in around 2021, I had the opportunity to spin out of that, and after I finished a degree in my post grad, and um, but still stay involved in the game, coach my little boys team down at Western Knights, the eights and nines, and um, yeah, just sort of passionate about the game, and just seeing the game progress and move forward, and. And how did you see the growth in Asia? You spent a large chunk of time there. You must have seen some massive changes. Yeah, like sort of everyone, they love their football in Asia. It's the number one sport. And um, over my time, especially up until now, just seeing more money going to the game, the standard really lifting. And I think we're seeing the results from Asian teams, especially likes of Japan or North Asia and also in, in the west of Asia with likes of Saudi and all those places without an amount of money going in the game. But also you have a look at Southeast Asia. A lot of those teams are starting to really sort of do well. You've got three or four teams from Thailand in the Asian Champions League when Australia only have one. Uh, Give me some reasons why that's occurring. OK, there's money being put in. Are they setting up better facilities? Are they attracting more players or just more, like from other places or are they developing more players from within? Yeah, developing more players from within. Just a lot better training facilities, a lot better standards. Um, and, yeah, how do you say it? I think... They're lifting their levels, better coaching, um, and just sort of, yeah, like they're just sort of lifting their game. And I think we're sort of, we're not getting left behind, but they're just sort of challenging us more. You have a look at Central Coast when I played against Turangano in the AFC Cup and they lost 2-0. So, um, you know, you know, back in the day, Australian teams wouldn't lose against Malaysian teams, but now they're actually giving us a good run for our money and we're losing against teams like Thailand and so forth. So, um, you know, the other night, um, Melbourne City, they drew with, with the team from Japan, Ben Corfo. Kofu, yeah, um, nil-nil. So, you know, it's not that easy anymore for us. And um, I think we're looking even for results for, you know, both, you know, female and male football when they're going to Asia, they're finding it difficult, you know, to get results. And, you know, qualifying is not as easy as, we, you know, what was probably easy previously. So, um, yeah, we need to lift our game as well because they're lifting their game. What do you find about the men's and the women's game? Uh, we were talking earlier about the, uh, the effects of the World Cup here in Australia, how we're talking about it more. Um, and there's already been a rise in the number of registrations for summer types of football and A-League memberships. What about in Asia, female football? Have you noticed uh, pathways and improvements it, there? Yeah, it's starting to grow. Um, it's not at the level it is here with the participation, but it's starting to grow and it's starting to sort of really sort of, how do you say, they're getting more money going into the game as well and um, they need to lift their standards from training facilities and stuff like that. But hopefully the sort of success of the Matildas will actually translate into more sort of being part of Asia, translate into more sort of better facilities for the for the females playing in Asia. So you have a look at Philippines qualifying for the World Cup. We've got 
got yeah. Alan Stajic as well. Thailand does pretty well as well. Japan as well, awesome. You know, China, Korea and so forth. So Vietnam also doing really well. So hopefully we just see more of a growth, you know, sort of continue in Asia and, um, yeah, more, more women playing the game and going from there. Like, for example, in Indonesia, they had their, you know, female professional league was going for two years, but with COVID, it stopped, but it's looking to start up again as well. And they're starting to lift their standards as well. And in Malaysia, I was speaking with the CEO of the Players Union as well in Malaysia, and they're starting to sort of grow their game there as well. So it's just... Yeah, it's on the up and, you know, like it's just so awesome to see how well the Matilda's done as well, getting the recognition they deserve for all the hard work they've put in, you know, like and sort of working with the girls in the in the players union space and just seeing how hard they work and getting the recognition they deserve is just huge, you know, so I'm just I'm, yeah, buzzing about it. I'm yeah. curious to know in Asia, the clubs that you worked with, how it how the female and male space was shared or the resources were shared. How was it then and how do you think it is now? Back then, sort of, for example, we didn't have sort of female teams aligned to our teams, you know, like sort of so they had individual teams and their facilities weren't, we didn't have very good facilities, I'll be honest, you know, weren't the best with some of the training on our main, main pitch and, you know, like probably since I've left, it's starting to improve a lot more. So not to say I didn't enjoy it, you know, it was all part of the experience. Um, so now you're seeing teams like, for example, my team, Percy Bandung, they've got a, a women's team and a men's team. Uh, they still play at their stadium as well with respect to their training facilities. I think they're using their training facilities as well, which is great because it's got to be shared. It's got to be equal, yep. you know, but you also got to have your own female Progress. facilities and you also got to have your men's facilities as well. You know, you can't have, you know, men and women sharing. It's just, and that's one thing we need to improve here in Australia as well is, you know, like, for example, I'm at Western Knights and, you know, our facilities aren't female friendly, you know, like, and how do we yeah. sort of, you know, now with the Matildas really push to get better <coughs> facilities for the women as well. So, you know, we get more women's teams, more women playing instead of golf and playing AFL and other sports that come to play soccer and, you yeah. know, the best game in the world, you know, the, the global game. Absolutely. So Yeah. But it's taken too long. All, all this uh, changes, uh, you know, there's Melville City Council, for instance, that maybe doing three changes. They've got 47 to do. It's just not good enough. You know, it just <laughs> isn't going to work. Yeah. And, and that's not just for football. That's for and other I, sports as well. And I think, you know, hopefully with, you know, the World Cup, it's opened their eyes to how big football is oh. and how it can just break down barriers, how it's the world game and... Yeah, it's just, yeah, the, the Matildas are awesome and buzzing. Yep. What would you like to see done, Dave, instantly? What do we need to do? Oh, that's a big, big question. Yeah, I know. There's there's not a lot that you can do instantly. I mean, organically, we, we will grow. No, organically, all those other things will happen. Um, will they happen as fast as you want? No chance in hell because if you look at the amount of support that we've got now or the amount of people that want to play football over summer over the next 12 months from the World Cup, there's no way we can cater for all that demand. We can't. We, I reckon we're going to be pushed for grass space, which means we're going to be pushed for male and female club rooms and facilities. Mm. It means there'll be a lot of people knocking on their local um, electorate's doors, say, hey, we need to change this, but will it change straight away? No. Recognition, Yes change no i mean just think of if we need to upgrade 47 facilities where they're going to get all the brickies from (laughs) (laughs) but you also have a situation where uh, there's big expanses of grass um earmarked for housing turn into football pitch instead you reckon dave no no this is football pitches being earmarked for housing or for um you know Oh, in the new developments, you reckon? Yeah, environmentally yeah, okay. friendly uh, 
places, but they're, they're also building houses around them. Yeah. Is it 30%, I think, of new development they have to have as green space, but they don't dedicate it as sporting facility. It could be like a dog run or a walking space or... Or just trees. Hmm. Yeah. That used to be the case. I don't think it is the case anymore. Not when some of these builders can get a golf course and just tear the golf course up and build houses. The last game of my season, we were playing at uh, Leeming Strikers over at John Connell in Des Moines Court in Leeming. There's kangaroos still around. It's right next to the golf course. <laughs> good time. It was a morning. It was a ten o'clock game in the morning. Kangaroos. <laughs> Excellent. That was pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't hopping across the pitch, but they're hopping around the pitch. I'm like, yeah, nice. Did they have boxing gloves on? <laughs> no, I think too many women, they wouldn't come near us. <laughs> Boots on. That's true. <laughs> I remember when I used to train up at sometimes ECU, we used to see the kangaroos going across the fields there, you know, up at ECU Junelop. So at the yeah? university, that was pretty cool. Mm. <laughs> it, it is. It's very cool. So, Robbie, what have you got your football mitts in here in Perth? You're, you're a coach of your, your kids? Yep, so down at Western Knights, and I really enjoyed going down and watching the first team play. I was there when they sort of got promoted, and how do you say, my stepsister was a present for around six years down there. My stepmom still washes her jerseys. Um, so, yeah, going down there, and just great to be part of a, a great community club, you know. like mm. and I just sort of recommend that people get involved as much as they can, and... Yeah, going down there, taking my kids, just like almost when I was back, you know, when I was following Western Knights as a kid or North Perth, Croatia, I'd go down there for the afternoon and then after the game, you go for a kick on the field and you go into the club and have a bite to eat and, you know, you get your mates running around there. So now it's my mates, kids as well that are running around together. And, um, yes, yeah, so that's that keeps me pretty busy alongside work as well. So um, and also just a little bit of football diplomacy stuff where I can sort of yeah, build better people-to-people links and, you know, like sort of through football and just sort of try and grow the game. Mm. Nice. And um, Perth Glory, you're following Perth Glory? Always follow Perth Glory. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, they've, they've signed a f- some decent players, I think, you know, like considering the circumstances, like some Bruce Kamau... Um, Bazanic, um, also bringing back in Riley Wallen, I think is a good thing as well. It sort of gives a little bit of hope to the players playing in the NPL that you know they are looking at players in the NPL, and then we got also the the A League W team, and you know looking they're looking forward to a big season as well. And you know with Alex, you'll have them sort of really well prepared, and um, yeah, looking forward to sort of watching them as well play and. Um, yes, yeah, so I think we're in a pretty good space, you know, considering with the club and the issues they've had recently. So um, no owner, but other things are working okay. Yeah, that's correct, and yeah. you know that's sort of as a, from a player and also from you know staff point of view, that's a bit of that sort of you know that unknown, who's going to be your owner as well. And I think they've done a good job to sort of keep things ticking along, and um, you know sign some good players, and you know they've still got a really good core there from sort of last year, and you know hopefully they can sort of go on and sort of you know get in the finals and. Um, yeah, get some wins on the board and, you know, hopefully then ownership comes in, new ownership, and then they can sort of really sort of, you know, take off from there. Absolutely. Um, who knows what their philosophy is going to be and how much that will change things at the club anyway if things at the club are working. I mean, we'll be underway with the season in a matter of weeks. Yeah. So the coaches will have done the business and that's what the club's about, like getting them on the park in the best kind of way. Um, Gareth Morgan and the whole team there are getting memberships up and running and out there in the schools and so forth, doing all the stuff they need to do to get the product out and the, and the branding right and the memberships rolling. And I think with Adam Stagic there coming in, someone who's experienced as well, who's you know just come out of a World Cup as well, he's done phenomenal <coughs> with the Philippines, taking him to the you know World Cup. Um, I think he'll be, bring a cool head 
you know, with experience there. And, um, yeah, they'll be very competitive. So I'm sort of looking forward to what the season holds. Yeah, let's hope so. Mm. Absolutely. Going down to the game in Bunbury? <laughs> They're playing tomorrow, aren't they? So yeah. it should be a, should be a good game. And Melbourne Victory always got a good side, and um, you know, probably coming back into town, and um, so then they're coming back, and they'll be they'll be staying here for a little bit, and be training up at Sorrento okay. on Monday night, and I think they're here for a few days. So um, yeah, so it's it's good that they're sort of coming here, and the Perth Glory get a, a competitive game against an A League side. That's always one of the issues here in Perth, sort of looking for good quality opposition, like sort of. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's good that they're getting out into the community and playing a few games so the community can see them and you know, decide that they want to get on board and buy the memberships and find out what the style of football is like this season. Yeah. I'm excited with Cameron Cook, the young goalkeeper. I think he's got loads of talent and I hope he's going to be a long-term asset for the club. He's a great kid as well. You know, he's got a good head on his shoulders and um, yeah, looking forward to sort of, you know, have a few of the young boys getting a bit of a go and, um, yeah, showing that they're sort of what they can do. Good. Yeah. What do you think the A-League's going to bring to the... Uh, let's talk about the men. What do you think the A-League men is going to bring to the um, the nation this year? you, you think there's any points of difference from a previous season or um, the World, Women's World Cup's going to have a, an impact on things? I think, you know, you can see there's a lot of sort of interest in the game sort of since post-World Cup as well. And um, I think since COVID, we've seen a little bit of a shift in sort of the A-League, you know, philosophy, I think, a little bit. And like playing a lot more young, younger players as well are getting sort of more of a go, I think, because with the funding sort of drying up as well, with the sort of the TV rights deal as well. But that's giving opportunities to young players to be able to come and play and show the worth. And we're seeing a lot more players now, you know, moving on overseas and playing one or two really good seasons and then getting that opportunity to go overseas. And and, um, and also COVID stopped a lot of travel too. Yeah, that's So correct. it meant that maybe the marquee players that we were used to seeing or expecting to see didn't happen. That's, that's correct. And... Um, yeah, I think the A-League, I think it's a bit, you know, like underestimate how good the, the quality of the competition is and a lot of the foreigners at the Perth Glory Day suspect that they say it's, a, it's actually a decent league. It's a very difficult league to play and you've got the travel, the heat, also, you know, the sort of how quick the game is here as well and um, they're really impressed with the standard of the game. So I think we're sort of... Yeah, we sort of, yeah, the products are really good products to try and get more people to the games. And hopefully now with the Matildas and how well they've done and how they're able to inspire a nation and um, more people are going to come and watch both the male and female games. So, What do you think about technology? In the last couple of years, we've had a lot of streaming services kick in for local football. Mm -hmm. So if it's um, horrible weather day, you can just log into your little app on your phone or your iPad and you can choose to sit at home with a cuppa or a beer and a pie, whatever, and you can, you know, watch your local games without actually having to step out of your door. What do you think the impact of that is on, like, say, NPL and also A-League? It's probably, you know, there's positives and minuses to it. I think the more eyeballs we have on the game, it's awesome, you know, from a, probably a sponsor's point of view as they'll see more people sort of be able to watch it through the streaming services. I mm. think it's great. But also you're not sort of the disappointing, you know, the sort of the negative is they're not going out watching the game in person. So um, you're not getting that sort of in-person experience and the clubs are probably missing out where they're not spending, you know, not sort of paying that entrance fee and not buying a sort of a pie or a beer, or, you know, or sort of hamburger there. And um, so um, there's, you know, positives and minuses to it. But sometimes, you know, we've got really pretty busy lives nowadays and um, being, just being able to sort of jump on your app and be able to watch the game, I think is awesome. And you can go back and watch the games as well. And What and about if you're a player still? Yep. And you're getting paid, paid top bucks by Western Knights to play in the NPL Men's League and 
all your crowds at home watch on the streaming service. Yeah, from a player's point of view, it's you know sort of you want people coming to the game, watching the game, yeah. and um, but sort of yeah, from a yeah, I think from a holistic you know approach, you know, more people watching the game the better. But um, as a player, you want as many people at the game as possible to sort of you know we're playing against Manager, I think we had around thirteen hundred people there watching the game, and it was awesome. Just the atmosphere, especially at, at, there at Nash Field, it's it's pretty enclosed, and you know had a couple of buses from Mandra come up for the game as well, which was awesome. And then yeah, like sort of you know. There's a real buzz about the game down there at Western Knights and sort yeah. of something's really awesome. So <clears throat> it, It's kind of, you, yeah, you want everything, don't you, really? Yeah. You want you, people that can't drive um, to be brought by other people that can drive. You want families to be there because that makes a nice holistic atmosphere and not a nice um, PG atmosphere. You know, some of the armies that get to some of the games are maybe not PG and what they're <laughs> shouting out. Um, and the, the clubs certainly <clears throat> want to sell through the canteen and make a bit of money so they can stay afloat. So we need to brand a lot of things, don't we, to make the product right in all kind of areas to make it successful. And the lobbying part too. You know, How does Football West know that we've got all the numbers there to lobby for the new facilities if they're playing at grassroots but they're not going to support elite football um, in in the stands, so oh. we need it all, really. No, we certainly do. Yeah. And you're president, you know, you should sort of have a bit of an idea on this. Yeah, there's another AGM coming up, Dave. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a spot available if you're feeling like you were missing something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you, st- you want to stay married, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, getting people into the games, it's crazy. It, I can't understand why we don't get more people at games. And we're talking. I mean, Gary Maroki has been on about this for years. Mm. So Simon Hill's been banging on about it for the A-League as well. Why don't yeah. we fill the stadiums? We we can get them for a final. I mean, look at the... You know, we've had the finals here at Opera Stadium with Perth Glory and Sydney before. Yeah. We've maxed it out. It's been awesome. Do we get people week in, week out to the games? Nope. No, it's parents or ex-presidents sitting there watching the game, you know. Mm. Yeah, with your VIP pass. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but we'll we'll keep asking until we have the answer or until we're filling the stadium. Everybody talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funny thing is that uh, sometimes the football is pretty good. More Some, than sometimes the football is pretty yeah, good, it's Dave. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just about the quality of the football, right? So, so for example, I'm a diehard women's football fan no two ways about it whenever there's football I'm there I'll pounce pounce like a puppy and I'll get there right just say women's football yeah where is it where is it um doesn't have to be great quality it's just women's football that's just my thing I'm passionate about it I'll mm. ask my daughter or ask my mates you want to go let's get a group let's go watch the game it's about community that's you know, right about, yeah. it's yeah. community friends you've got the sport there and, and that's the just really the con- you know the, the bridge you know all that's the sort of hook yeah. to get you there and it's a place to be with yeah, your mates that's yeah. it and mm. sort of spending time outdoors and so good for your sort of mental health and well-being being outside and having a good time watching a great great sort of you know yeah. like game as well interacting with people yep uh, you know and the crack you know that's one of the things... Your banter's not very good, but... That was that, that was a Scottish thing that you said then, wasn't it? Like crack? That, yeah. that didn't sound very Australian. What does that mean? It means having a laugh. Okay, right. Yeah, telling stories. Oh, a crack, crack. Yeah. Okay, right, got it. Yep, yep. That's a crack. Sorry. Uh, yeah, is there some kind of C-R-A-I-C something yeah. or other? What, yeah. Is that the one you're saying? Yeah. Okay, right, got it. Just checking. Because they educate <laughs> people. <laughs> hey, look, uh, we've got another guest. So we, we've got a... Um, 
zoom out of this one and zoom into the next one. Are you going to stay with us, Robbie, or do you have to move I, on I, for the day? I've got to get going because I'm going down to meet the new junior coordinator for tonight and talk about next year. So already preparing for the wow. junior stuff for next year. So yeah. I'm going to go one. catch up with Andrew and um, a bit of a chat about yeah, the juniors for next year. So. Yeah. See, this young man seems to be able to juggle it all, Dave. Yeah, I know. But he may be going down to be able to move. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Over-enthusiastic parent, you know. <laughs> Robbie, thanks so much for joining us. Really, thanks, do appreciate, really the, appreciate the banter. Me and keep up the awesome work. You can come back and have a banter with us anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. No, we'll do. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat to Phil Kelly. This is Penn and Dave and Robbie on the World Football Programme. Stay tuned. Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. If you want to become a member and support us, ring up the station during the week on 94942100. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Um, super awesome. I, I love that intro for you. That was amazing. That's uh, inspired me. You've got to say all good stuff now and uh, inspire the rest of us. <laughs> Yeah, it's week. You can't get much worse now, can it? <laughs> <laughs> good morning, Phil. Hi, Dave. Good to, good to talk to you again, Dave, as always. Absolutely. Yeah, lots lots happening this weekend. It's, uh, last weekend of football, last week, I should say, of, of football locally, besides all the presentation nights that are probably happening all over WA for the next, I don't know, three or four weeks, I guess. Yeah. We yeah. certainly do. We've got ours at Ashfield tonight, actually. So. Nice. Very yeah. nice. No, very much so. Then, then all the uh, the busy period starts for us running clubs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The off off season for the players is the on season for management. Yeah, 
Absolutely, absolutely. But um, a lot happening in the state league, of course. Um, a lot of movement between the leagues, which is a good thing to see. Yep, bring in uh, a bit of new blood, a bit of excitement, a bit of uh, new memberships and fans, and different crowds to different places. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that's the thing. Right, this is about this, the fundamental of our game is is encouraging that football merit promotion relegation piece, and that's exactly what it does. Is it just revitalises the league, and and I think what we've seen this year is one of the closest. Um, NPO and state league competitions we've seen for a while, and I'm, I don't think that's any coincidence. Down to promotion relegation, so yeah. having having that threat of relegation and obviously the in- incentive of promotion, um, and be having it based up purely on football merit. I mean, I know that there's requirements in leagues and that sort of thing. We've got to make sure that we meet those, but most clubs do these days, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And people want to go and watch the promotion and relegation battles as well because they're, they're super exciting and they've got an investment with their club. So, yeah, they'll get down there and buy a beer and chips. Yeah, they're, and exciting, they're exciting until you've been involved in one. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they certainly don't feel so exciting in that, in that capacity. But, um, look, they, are, they, they add something to the game. And I think, and I think it's a really good thing um, that we can, we hope, we'll, we're sure it'll stay in the game. And, um, and I think it'll have a positive influence going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good idea that uh, they made this thing happen because, you know, here's Frio come from fourth and uh, they're in NPL. Good on them. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Dave, from your time on the State League Standing Committee, how long we've been pushing to yeah. have clean promotion relegation. And look, to be honest, uh, football works have taken it a step further um, with um, some of the the playoffs and that sort of thing. We weren't expecting that from them, but that's what they've done. We now have consistent promotion and relegation throughout the leagues. Um, it's probably a stretch further than we had hoped for uh, in the state league standing committee, and certainly, personally, not something I was a fan of. But, um, look, I tell you, we're, we're embracing it now, and uh, I think it's, yeah, the impact it's going to have on the game is, 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 is surely going to be positive. Yeah, I think it avoids complacency. You said it adds a, a little bit of extra excitement to it. Well, it absolutely does. It means that the clubs have got a plan. They've got to make sure they resource themselves, manage themselves well, so that they can stay in that league or improve into the next tier. Or if they're not happy with that, they'll just you know opt out. Of, can you opt out these days? I, I suppose you, you could if you really needed to in one of the lower divisions if you were struggling or just... To, you know, you had to well, you could de- yeah, you could decline promotion, I guess, and that's something I guess that clubs do do, and that's why we have East Perth that have been promoted from second place, yes, um, in the amateur Premier League to Division Two, um, because Emerald, who did win the Premier League, have declined that automatic spot for promotion. Yep, yeah. and they're not um, made to go up, and that's important too. When clubs aren't ready, that they are not made to comply. Absolutely, and East Perth certainly could have declined. Um, they haven't, though, and they're obviously a very ambitious, very positive um, developing club as well, and I think we're expecting some big things out of East Perth over the next few years. But um, they had an opportunity. They, they finished in a suitable position to qualify for that playoff, and I guess the only sad thing from that is that really should be a game that's taking place today is Morley Windmills versus East Perth, and because of the well-documented issues with Morley... Um, they aren't fielding a team or unable to field a team, I should say, in that playoff. So um, that's a game that would have been taking place today, I think, at the State Football Centre. 
Yeah, yeah. So Morley are dropping into the amateur Premier Division. Premier, yeah. Mm. They are, yeah. So and look, and I don't think it'll. Well, we'll see what happens with Morley. I don't think it'll be long until we see them again. But um, it's um, yeah, they're obviously in a in a significant rebuilding phase now uh, after what's happened with them this year. Yep, it's nothing to do with the le- um, facilities. Like they're not losing any of the facilities, are they? Is it just uh, internal stuff? No, no, no. So, well, obviously, it's internal. Um, some internal issues resulted in them not being able to field teams, um, and I don't think they were helped by some of the off-field things that were occurring in relation to their state league setup. Um, and I think they've just compounded further and further. So nothing to do with facilities. Morley, um, as far as I know, is still going very strong as a club. Um, so with their facilities and that sort of thing. Um, but it really is just the operational side of their state league setup that yeah. has unfortunately collapsed. And uh, as chair of the state league committee, the men's yes. state league committee, uh I still have to say men's and women's stuff because there's actually a women's standing committee. And the women's standing committee, as you and I discussed, women's standing committee covers absolutely every part of the women's game, whereas there's quite a few different standing committees for the guys. There's the NPL standing committee. Well, not only that, so the junior standing committee also covers the NPL juniors. So yeah, right. much the same structure as the women, right? And I think that when the men's NPL was created all that time ago, um, there was unsurprisingly quite a bit of self-interest wanting to preserve those 12 clubs and as a result a new standing committee was created from um, from that process and that legacy has remained but look it's certainly something we should start to talk about because um, the one thing we don't want in our game is self-interest and I think that if we could have standing committees that represent the appropriate areas and in this case we're talking about the elite end of our sport, men's sport, um, or do we need an NPL women's standing committee and an NPL junior standing committee? Do we need two more? Um, is that a more pro- appropriate solution? I don't. I don't know. I, I suppose two things there is: does the community, the community, and the members, as in the club, do they need to get on board and have some more say? And is it needed, as in structurally, is the competition in need of different groups of people to attend to these things? I think good question, and they're all very, very good questions. And you're absolutely right, because it's not a decision anyone should be making but the clubs that are impacted by those changes. Um, if you Obviously, what we do have at the moment is we have clubs that sit or represent on those committees in multiple capacities. So we have um, clubs that have it's on the women's, juniors, NPL and men's standing committee. Sorry, NPL state league standing committee, I should say. Um, so it's certainly a question that's worth raising. And um, another thing that I particularly am quite passionate about is leaving our club hats at the door with um, standing committee discussions and literally, like, very literally um, ensuring that those conversations are for the good of the game. And then when we're talking about things in a standing committee sense, that's for all 24 state league clubs or all 12 NPL men's clubs or all um, God knows how many junior or women's um, specific metro clubs, etc., cetera, um, that are impacted. So not just our club-specific issues that we have. Yes, and is that your job 
as the chair of the State League Standing Committee to get out into the community and canvas support or Football West because constitutionally they have to provide a standing committee in promoting yeah, that I think to it's the it's all, I think, I, I, Yeah, I think it's all the above. So I think it's incumbent on the chair and the members of the standing committee to ensure that they do a good job and do so democratically in, in the right process and communicate their work with their stakeholders. I think that's really important. And that's the role of Football West, in my mind as well, is facilitating and ensuring that process happens. But there needs to be a bit of responsibility from clubs as well. And if you haven't heard from your standing committee, your zone rep, you should be making yourself known to, I think. And part of that process may mean you you probably end up on a standing committee or being a zone rep yourself. But <laughs> is, <laughs> is that a bad thing? Because that's how it started for me. And... Um, and I don't think it, I mean, I certainly have found it a positive experience and really feel like I've been able to influence a lot of elements of the game and, you know, take it in a direction, not just that I think, but that collectively a group of people um, think the game should go. And I think there needs to be some responsibility. There are too many people that, and maybe it's just keyboards that make people this way, but jump on Facebook and now bash at those keys about anything negative, but... I always think to myself when I read these comments on social media, what have you done? What have you actually done to try and influence things? Yeah. Because it's not that difficult. And you can achieve a lot as well. So, um, yeah, look, I think absolutely clubs and people that are involved, I mean, it's the same with the, at your club as well, the same thing. A lot of time you hear that the club's going in a wrong direction and members need to realise that they can actually dictate where their club what direction the club goes. I wouldn't have known who was on the Women's Standing Committee until I put my hand up to volunteer to be on the Standing Committee. So Yeah, and that and that's a problem I think, and that is certainly an issue. And, and I'm um, not I'm not, not engaged with women's football. I, I'm highly engaged with women's football. I'm cra- yeah. crazy passionate and I'm out there, you know, watching games, watching streaming, playing the game, going to events, um, meeting and talking to people, but uh, I mean, I don't know if it's the same for the MPL Men's Standing Committee or the Men's State League Standing Committee, but uh, I, I don't know how they gauge feedback. How, how do you gauge feedback for the Men's State League Committee, Phil? How does the group get... Oh, no, we, we, definitely, we definitely speak to clubs, and that's one particular um, thing that we do do. We do reach out to clubs, and some tell us not to bother them as well, and that's fair. Um, they don't really care, but... For the vast majority of state league clubs, absolutely no. They can call myself or one of the members of my committee um, and get action taken, and I think state league clubs know that. If you're at a junior club or a women's club or in a women's league or wherever else and you're not getting actions that you require, you've probably got the wrong people on your standing committee. Do you think and that, do you think that there should be a, a joint men's and women's NPL standing committee and then a league men's women's standing committee. Do you think the things that affect that those groups would be the same? It's an interesting question, and I think from a from a FFA governance perspective, I think yes, they would be very similar. Um, but I think there are certain nuances within the men's and the women's game that are very separate. But I mean why not have two separate committees and then have those committees consult with each other as well at the same time? Mm. 
learn from each other. I mean, that's another, that, that, that is another way of looking at it. But what I don't think is reasonable in my mind right now is that the Women's Committee is overseeing the NPL, whereas the NPL men's is on its own and there's no consistency. And one of the biggest things about promotion and relegation and our argument for that, for that um, piece was to have consistency, and that's what we need in our game. We need a lot more consistency. We need to be dealing with things the same way and fairly, and it probably, on the outside at the moment, and not knowing all the detail, probably doesn't look that way. So we did touch on this briefly when we talked to Tommy Dolman earlier. The men's NPL's been around about 10 years, so that mm. I mean, whatever they worked out in the beginning is now in full play, um, you know, all, all the rules and playoffs and, and promotion, relegation, et cetera. But the women is only in the fourth year of NPL. And last year the structure changed from yeah. NPL to reserves and then the age for the reserves changed and so forth and so forth. So do you mm. then say, well, you set a precedent at some point or you go, okay, these are the rules that affect or no, these are the factors that affect women's um, pathways and they're a little bit different to the men's pathways so we need to change yeah. them and then work out if that's going to work for the women, introduce it, see how it goes or do we just go, let's yeah. set the president because the men's are doing it and it's reasonable yeah. that that should be done so we should replicate yeah. this for the women and go go for it. But, but straight away I'm hearing the same issues that are impacting the NPL men, the state league men, probably state league women but NPL women as well is that we have a quality um, drought. In the, there's not enough players to fulfil the amount of NPL and or State League um, clubs that we have. Now, whether that's at 18s level or at 20s level or 23s, and where those age groups kick in, we're having a consistent issue mm. in the State League men's and State League NPL men's as well. So we should get the same minds around the table sorting the problems that's together. I, that's what it sounded sound like to me. Mm. And, um, and I don't think it would be a bad thing having more of the right people, and this is the, that's the critical ingredient, is having the right people in the room to talk more about the game and what direction we should be going in. I suppose the big differential there is the there's not a crossover of men's NPL, women's NPL, as in there's uh, Perth Soccer Club have men's women's, Balcata have men's women's, Red Star have men's women's, but not all the other clubs in the men's competition of the 12, because only eight in the women, will, you know, have men's and women's to be able to talk. But is that uh, is that important, critical for the discussion? Maybe, maybe not. Well, probably not. I mean, like I said, as long as they're the right people having the right discussion, then I think that's definitely the step in the right direction. Mm. Yep, OK. So can you put that on your agenda for the next standing committee meeting? Take it, take it to football west. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. My um, my responsibility start and finish with the state league, but I have been known to um, to share my to share my opinions in other areas. So I'll, <laughs> I, I certainly won't, I certainly won't be shy in doing so. And what's happening at Ashfield, Phil? Besides the presentation um, tonight, what's happening over summer? Yes, yeah, so our presentation night tonight. Well, look, we've got um, we've a lot happening at Ashfield actually. I'm down here at the club at the moment and uh, we have a, a lot of construction fencing. We've got new lights that are going in um, this year and um, our new board's going in as well at the moment. So there's a lot going on. We have our Ashley 7s which kick off next month. So that's 
um, for over 55s is one competition, and then for an open socials, which is men's and women, um, and young adults, I should say. Um, it's kicking off of modified rules football over the summer. Um, so quite a lot going on down at, down at Ashfield for the next few months. How's that working with the other clubs that you share space with at Ashfield? Because Ashfield's a sports club, right? It is, but we're predominantly um, a football club um, in any case. Um, so there's no concerns whatsoever um, with the use of our facilities over that period. We've got a cricket club that does use the space over the summer, but otherwise this whole green space here is completely underutilised. Something that we've been discussing at length through council um, about that, improving that. That is not something that you hear committees of soccer clubs say very often, underutilised. No. no, so we literally, I mean, we have a massive space here. I'm not sure what the hectare size is, um, but we and we literally had a conversation two weeks ago with the council about how underutilised it is, and that's our core focus at the moment, is maximising that, not just for winter, but for the summer months as well. Wow. Well, that, yeah. that would bring more maintenance by the council, but if there's more feet on the park, that's uh, more income for the club that can pay for the maintenance. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we're looking at. So, look, we'll have um, 200 lux lighting on the equivalent of three full-size pitches um, by middle of January. Nice. Um, so that's going to improve our, you know, our deliverable capacity as well significantly, um, which will help a great deal with, with us doing what we need to do here on site. Yep. Night games, uh, night training, more teams. Night games, night training, just ex- basically allows us to expand our trainable capacity yeah. um, over those winter months in particular. But, um, yeah, look, it's been a little dark little secret of ours that... Um, this space is underutilised and it's now something that we're actively trying to resolve. We're not trying to resolve. We have a number of plans in place to change that at the moment. You have walking football down there at Ashfield, don't you? We, we sure do and that's now becoming um, incredibly popular. So we've had, to be honest, for the first time, too many people down here on a Monday night. Uh, only a week or two ago, and it was literally almost too many. We had to uh, really <laughs> rethink how we, how we were how we've been running things. So um, that just means that we're going to expand our capacity for walking football as well. It seems to be taking off in many places around Perth. It's at Florett, that which is kind of the hub uh, for maybe the first twelve to eighteen months that it uh, started, and then uh, Ashfield curtains kicking in. Um, Laugh Lane's yeah. had a, having a competition in October, um, the Lewis Cup. Um, and, I, and, I, and I know why it's popular too, right? Go on. And I go, so most people would go walking football, you're already kidding. Obviously, I play proper football. <clears throat> and so they actually try it. And it's an um, incredible leveller. So <laughs> no, I can play walking football with state league players and be competitive. So yeah, let, 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 let's just qualify something, all right? So walking football yeah. doesn't mean you walk, okay? This, this is this is the misnomer. Oh, that, have, that's, a, that's another misnomer, correct. No, absolutely. You have to absolutely. have yeah. a part of both of your feet on the ground at all times. And some people are ex- exceptionally skillful at walking really fast. 
to have one <laughs> one centimetre of one part of the, <laughs> the ground. It looks like they're running. Or uh, <laughs> guilty, but and I, I love walking football because it's the only time I get accused of running. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen at any other moment in my life. <laughs> and it's up to the referees to say, hmm, you're walking very fast or hmm, you're actually running. No. Yeah, so, but it's a matter of an opinion and obviously games and referees and opinions. Uh, it's another layer. But the one thing it is, it's a great leveller. It's incredibly enjoyable. And for someone like me that struggles to play full, um, full pitch football um, because I've killed my legs playing um it's it, it is a remarkable leveler and it enables you to um continue to play yeah and that's got to be a good thing so that's why it's becoming more and more popular i think and because it can play yeah. in smaller spaces um in the not so regular times of football yeah um you don't have to do training you just uh, attend it's um pretty economical yeah but it's happening yeah i do it turn up and play you know do do it do it at your own pay do, yeah. do what you want to do. It's, um, uh, and it's just a good way of connecting with the game. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's happening. Uh, you know, down Mandurah. Yep. Uh, Terry Goddard's down there. He's running a, 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 a club or a, a few teams. Terry is. It. Terry's doing a good job of it down there as well. Yeah, and I think they yeah. got something off in Rockingham. And you've obviously, I think, one of the originals was Wanneroo. Um, Wanneroo? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Wanneroo is definitely the pioneers of walking football, without a doubt. Yeah. And uh, no up in Joondalup and uh, somewhere else. There's... And Perth Hills are also trying to get a walking football hub going yeah. as well. And it's only, if I remember right, it's only two years old, maybe three years. It's massive increase in uptake. In, in Australia, I think so, yeah, yeah. I think it's been going around in the UK a little longer. Yes. Yeah. Look, mm. My conscious awareness of it has been in the last three, three or four years. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not, it's not been around for that long. Yep. Phil, we're going to let you go. Thanks so much for your chat. I hope things go nicely and smoothly and excitedly for tonight's presentation night for you. I'm sure they will. Mm. And uh, I hope you get a chance to go home after you've done whatever you're doing there. You're not going to stay there all day and then... Oh, I will be. No, I was here to set up for a, for a rival code game. Apparently that's on today. I don't know anything about it. Um, there's a few people coming down here to watch that. Oh, I see. And then I'll so... be going home. Yeah. Uh, is your function elsewhere? It's not at the club. It is. No, no, we were at the breakwater tonight. So um, it gives us gives us people at the club a bit of a break as well. Yeah, very <laughs> so good. so we, we, have, we have it as far away from the club as possible. Breakwater. Okay. There you uh, go. Good one. Yeah. I think we should. All right. Thanks, guys. Happy thanks, to Phil. chat anytime. Thanks, well, Phil. See ya. Bye bye. No worries. Bye. That was Phil Kelly, the chair of the Men's State League Standing Committee. Yeah. Enthusiastic, Phil. Quite a mouthful. Mm. He has seen about town. New life member to Football West, yep. as of the last AGM. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he's part of the club, Dave. Yeah. He mm. he did an amazing thing, you know, the Ashfield won a bit of a state and uh, he organised his committee with three people. Yep. And all the other subcommittees below it. And they can make a decision quickly. There's no yep. delay for a month till the next committee meeting. I think they can make a decision with yes. a quick phone call. Yep. So it's a kind of a board, but uh, you know. Yep. The, the the three key people. That's really all you need to the 
as a hierarchy. You yep, know? skeleton infrastructure. Keep, keep things going. That's a good statement. Skeleton, skeleton infrastructure. Yep. I'll keep that one in mind. Yep. We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat with Greg Farrell from Futsal WA and Subiaco. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. Keep listening. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Football is more than just a ball. It's where we find our feet, where we find our voice and a place to belong, where we get to express our true selves. Following the footsteps of our heroes, we can go from small to 10 feet tall. We can all write our best stories. Because this game, the world's biggest game, has space for us all. Find your place. Join our team. You said you wanted Sam Kerr and the Matildas to come to Perth, Western Australia, and the McGowan government has delivered. For the Matildas to come to Perth, uh, particularly for the first competitive game in its history, it's just an exciting opportunity for the local young female players to look up and aspire to what they might want to be. Australia will play against some of the top teams in Asia. We're playing Chinese Taipei, we'll play against Iran and we'll also play against the Philippines. This is an important competition for the Matildas. It's a, a qualifying campaign. We need to win these matches in order to play in Paris in 2024. I'm looking forward to see the Matildas play in their backyard, especially Sam coming back home, playing in front of her family and friends. We've made this happen, actually. We're part of the legacy, part of Sam Kerr, <laughs> Lydia. <laughs> this will produce a festival of football. It's very exciting because we'll have overall six games of spectacular international women's football played across a week-long tournament between the 26th of October and the 1st of November. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny and Dave in the studio. Last guest today, before we close off at noon, is Greg Farrell. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. How is everyone? We're all good. Super duper. Congratulations on your engagement and impending wedding. How the heck are you going to fit that in somewhere in your football calendar, young man? Uh, thank you very much. Um Luckily, I have a fiancé who is exceedingly organised and <laughs> very good at expediting, well, pretty much anything. Um, and I think I did a bunch of the initial work with buying the ring in secret and the proposal and all that sort of stuff. And she's certainly taken up the slack now while I am a little bit busy with other things. And I would hope that I've maybe contributed 15 to 20% overall, but it may be a little bit lower than that. But like I said, Annie's doing a very good job, so I also don't want to get in the way of that. And uh, word has it that she's your right-hand man, right-hand person for absolutely everything uh, at Subiaco, at WA Futsal, in your life. Is there any other part? I mean, this is a good partnership, right? 
Yes. Well, we we met on a futsal trip uh, to Spain, and I proposed at the national futsal championship presentation <laughs> night in front of I think about five or six hundred people, without realising that it was also being live streamed. Um, so there there was a bunch of people who said that it was a, an injustice if we didn't get married in front of all the futsal people, but. We will have some sort of a party celebration to include all of them, but the wedding itself is just pretty much family. Well, if you can't find a place big enough, just live stream it again, Greg. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I said, I had no clue that that was actually happening. So uh, that's definitely not a situation that we're going to to follow up on for the wedding. Mm. Well... I guess you've got everybody on board with you there. I mean, you're two pretty awesome people and uh, football's in your blood, both of you. So it's kind of a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, it it doesn't help that she's a Liverpool fan. Um, it makes the English Premier League an interesting <laughs> thing, being a Manchester United fan myself. But it, it certainly gives us things to talk about and argue about. And I tend to get punched a lot. Mm-hmm. in particular situations, but I guess that's just a part of loving someone, isn't it? I don't know. Depends how hard the punches are. <laughs> <laughs> How'd the Futsal WA presentation night go? Yeah, it was, it was excellent. It was a really good night. There was um, the the award winners for the, the various Super League competitions, um, and it's just nice to to sort of see everybody get dressed up and, and have a, a slightly different conversation to the ones that usually happen around the futsal courts. Um, so certainly a, a nice change of pace. Absolutely. And another thing that, that Annie that Annie organised and, and does all the graphics for and runs, and it, it ran very smoothly. Our, our staff did it very well. Do you find that there's a crossover from your Subiaco squad to futsal? Like anyone coming into Subiaco is like, have you heard about Fiverside? Do you want to play Superliga? Is that kind of how it happens? So if they're not playing... Um, oh, not... Well, when I... There certainly has been more crossover recently. When I got to Subiaco, um, there was only two players who were playing futsal. If you look at the, the MPL W squad from around the competition, there's probably around 50% of, of most of the clubs do play futsal and, and Subiaco were definitely very underrepresented in that space, um, which I believe did have a, an impact on the way that they played. Um, and, and we are, we are changing that. Um, but it's like within the, the competitions, there's players from, like I said, every club. So Red Star, Frio, Perth, NTC, Balcatta, Mum, um, Curtin. It's not. It, it's not a situation that I try and approach people. I, I try and keep the the two very uh, differentiated and compartmentalised because I don't want to have outdoor clubs or coaches saying that I'm trying to poach their players and and players who I I actually coach in futsal who play at other outdoor football clubs know that I I don't do that. I don't don't try and go after them and it's it's up to them where they play. If if they like me as a coach they'll 
come across without me having to do anything, but I think variety is also good. Sometimes I think if people see me too often, they're going to get sick of me. So They reckon there's about a seven-year itch. How long have you been with Annie? <laughs> Eight. <laughs> You're all good then. Yeah. How long's futsal been in Perth? How long have you been here with Annie? Uh, so I got here in 2015. Annie got here at the end of 2016. Okay, so it's about eight years as well. There you go. Yeah, no, well, I've, I've now, well, it'll be nine years at the end of this year, but yeah. Yes. Hmm. And has the Futsal WA organisation expanded south of the river yet? Uh, this this season, the, the Super League of Competitions will be hosting games at both Melville and down in Port Kennedy. Um, we have, haven't expanded to the point that I know you would like us to where we have <laughs> a, a full-time facility down there. Um, as with anything, it's a, a work in progress and good things come to those who wait. Okay, that's that's nice. Whereabouts in Melville are you talking? Uh, so we use the, the Leisure Fit Melville. The one on Stock Road? On uh, Stock I do Road not know. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Cunning, uh, Cunning Highway stop. Cunning Highway, yeah. 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 Excellent. That's good. Uh, if you want to know more information about that, hop on to Futsal WA website. And Yeah, and the, the, the Super League website has everything as well. Yep. And uh, what about uh, Football West? How's how's the, the connection and, and networking and affiliation there going? Is there something happening in that space? Yes, there is. So we uh, have... Uh, I've had a couple of discussions with um, Football West and, and in particular Perry Ialati. So we are hoping to finalise an arrangement, uh, some sort of affiliation with them in, I don't know, the coming weeks or months. I know they've been extremely busy with moving their offices and then in the lead-in and, and all of the goings-on with the grand finals, so um, there's no no time pressure for it. We'll hopefully have everything squared away sooner rather than later. But it's a as as I said before, with a lot of things, it's a work in progress. And what's uh, the outcome? You fully understand. There. Um, well, it's it's mostly about opportunity. So we we have our our leagues and our structure in place and. We provide opportunities for players, coaches, referees to further themselves in the game, um, whether that be through overseas or interstate and then overseas trips and and different opportunities. But if we are affiliated with Football West, it just expands the the number of opportunities that we can present to players. Um, it it then gives them another avenue that they haven't had in the past. To, to access players and things like coaching courses, referees courses, all of that sort of stuff, uh, there, there'll be mutual benefit. Um, so yeah, there, so, there's, so there's lots good. of lots of opportunity there. Yeah, I suppose it it's going to be very mutually beneficial. I can imagine that Football West would want the numbers to levy government and lobby for facilities. Um, 
I can't remember what your numbers were. Just refresh my memory of like what kind of re registration numbers you might have across futsal. Uh, so we have we have I think we have just under 110 social teams, and this summer we'll be up around 130 uh, elite level teams. Our school titles is usually a, or a little bit over 200 teams. Um, so if you sort of for the social teams, there's anywhere between five and seven or eight players, and the elite teams is more eight to ten few thousand people to add to the lobbying and whatever else is uh, yeah, yeah the, the participation numbers certainly and that's like there's a there's always a, a crossover as well between players who do play both social and elite level but mm. um yeah like, like you say it, it certainly adds to the participation numbers that football west would be able to count on yep and we like to be able to spreak and brag about that when we say that we're the number one participation sport in Australia yeah. and so forth? Yes, certainly. We don't do it well enough. Yeah, we definitely don't do it often enough, for sure. Um, what about uh, walking football? Is that something that's entered into in your futsal space? It, it hasn't been. It is something that we have looked at uh, on, on a couple of occasions. Um, there are, I know there are a few other uh, private centres that, that are running walking football. Um, it, it's not something that we have done just yet, but if there was enough of a market for it, we would be looking. We would be willing to, to engage with it. Um, I'm just not sure it's, it's a big enough uh, market just yet. Certainly a growing one. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, like I said, it's something that we have discussed and, and I think if we choose the right time to be involved with it, then it, we can certainly help it to grow as well. It's just about making sure that we have everything, all our ducks in a row before we try and start something else. Yep. And what about um, just moving across into NPL, women's NPL? What about yourself for next year? What's your plans there? Well, we... So when, when I came on board with Subiaco just uh, a year and a half ago, I sort of said that uh, the biggest thing for me was that we wanted to, um, I wanted to help the club to create something sustainable. So uh, in terms of the actual club itself, there's, there's a really good base there. There's really good people involved with the club. Um, but I think the, the culture and the philosophy within the female side of the club needed to be changed and there needed to be a, a greater focus on the development of individual players within a, a, a team structure. Um, and even though that would take some time and, and there would be some short-term pain, it would ultimately lead to a, a better situation for the club. And in terms of, of, of winning games and, and being more competitive across the league, and I think in the, the two seasons that I've now been there, we've seen the the first team and, and even probably more uh, emphatically the 21s have risen to the, the different style of play and, and have then become accustomed to it. And it's, it's now ingrained in the majority of the players to be trying to pass the ball, to be confident on the ball, to, to be 
dealing with pressure, not not be phased and, and not just boot the ball without thinking, which was sort of a, a little bit more of a, a problem when I first came on board. So that that mentality of, of get it forwards and then chase and press is not something that like it, you there are moments to press and there are moments to to move the ball being direct, but it's about making choices rather than panicking and, and just everybody running around like headless chooks. So having that culture shift is, is certainly a big thing and, and the club's been really good. The president Drew Palmer um, the vice president Andrew Farragher. We've we've had a couple of meetings recently just to, to plan out the next preseason and and how we move forwards. And I've also taken on uh, overseeing all of the the female side of the club. So any of the junior, even the junior girls that are playing in boys teams, um, so that the messaging is sort of concerted across the club and the younger players know there's a pathway from even the the very little ones at six or seven up to the senior players. And it's something that we need to develop more of. I think even just little things like having mini Ruse girls walk the first team players out before a kickoff creates a little bit of a connection. And, and so there's lots of other things that we are looking to do as well. Can I um, ask if it, all of the girls and women's teams play at the same venue, Rosalie Park? Yes, they do. Okay, so that, that's that's the club's home ground. So um, the the little ones they obviously play on uh, different sized fields, but they they kick off quite early on Sunday mornings, um, and it's something that I've suggested to the club that we really want to move towards is actually having those teams train on the same field as the MPL women before them, so we can have the the junior girls teams. And then when they finish training, they're seeing the, the senior women's players before their training, getting themselves ready and warmed up. And a little bit more interaction in, in that scenario, I think, will also help the culture within the club, but also that feeling of there being a direct pathway up to the MPLW. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mind you, besides the MPLW, your Central Division 2 squad is pretty, whew, pretty damn good. My mum FC team played them in the last game of the season in a replayed, uh, postponed fixture. Um, shocking pitch, by the way, at Rosalie Park. It had its, <laughs> it's had its work done in the, in the season. That's for sure. With a lot of feet on it, but man, it was a cracking match. Graham Normanton was coaching, and um, it was yeah. One, the, the, the pitch, no. the pitch certainly has um, a lot of traffic on it with. Uh, we also we have to deal with touch rugby league having matches on there one night a week, which is a obviously a, a council issue. Um, but yeah, that that central team, I think they they won or they came second in the amateur league uh, in 2022, um, and a, a, a very good senior team. Um, they ended up in that division because the. The club decided to put our under-18, what should be our under-18 MPL team, if Football West had gotten that league off the ground like they said they were going to for, I think, around 2021 or 2022. Um, We didn't have a division for them to play in, so we put them into what was going to be the next most competitive league for their development. Um, 
which meant that Central Division 2 team dropping down a division probably below the level where they could have been playing. Not, um, not probably, Greg. Definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah, but it was, like I said, it was a, a decision made for the development of the club and if Football West could get that development league or 18th MPL league off the ground, then we wouldn't be having to make those sorts of decisions. Mind you, personally, as a goalkeeper, I totally enjoyed playing against your Subiaco team on that game. (laughs) (laughs) You also played against the under-21s at one stage, didn't you? I I did, yeah, I get around. I'll fill any spots. I'm happy with that. (laughs) If I can walk and do the job, I'm in. (laughs) Got to love it, right? Yeah, well, I think you did a very good job. Thank you. I think Graham Normand did an awesome job coaching, by the way, too. There was only one goal in that game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Some um, yeah, absolutely cracking players in that squad. But uh, the NPL women's has uh, got a bit of work to do in terms of uh, what's going to happen with Curtin and promotion and relegation or, or, or otherwise uh, for the end of this season and going into next season. So, yeah, well, I think as, as you are aware, I've just been put back into or will be put back into the women's standing committee after I missed the deadline for the paperwork to be put in. Um, but I think like there's the best scenario is that we are getting players as many games as we can. So having a, a seven-team league would mean there's a buy every, every seven weeks, which I don't think is no. a great scenario for players who are only potentially playing 21 games anyway. Yes. It's not like they're playing 30, 35, 40 games in a season like they do in South America and Europe. So the more games we can get players, the better off we are. And I think UWA came third in the league. They've said that Hammersley and then Perth AFC weren't going to meet the MPL guidelines. So if it's then decided that UWA does meet those criteria, terrific. Um, my, like, I think in terms of the, the merit of the situation, all of the clubs have known for a long time what's required and UWA have obviously done what they needed to to fit that bill. Um, fingers crossed that it, it well, something will, will happen and, and they can be assisted in becoming sustainable at the NPL level because I also don't think it'll be a great scenario if, if they go up to the NPL and then if they finish bottom in the league, are told that they have to go straight back down. Yes. It benefits nobody. And uh, I think any club who does come up, given this circumstance, should be given some time. Every other NPL club has been given three or four years knowing there was no relegation and promotion. So I think if, if it was a club who had specifically gone out for it, then it might be a little bit different. But knowing that the circumstance is slightly different. I think there needs to be some uh, adjustments made to help the club to become sustainable. Leniency. I think we should probably have a chat about um, grading too, but not not today because we're running out of time. Um, but there's lots more to talk about. As always, we never, ever pack it all in. Um, you've done a fine job today though, Greg. Thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate it. And uh, once again, congratulations on your wedding. Don't have to give us the date. So... You won't get lots of people turning up. 
to some location? <laughs> I, well, it, it, I'm happy to say it's next Friday. Um, and we're, we're getting married up in Durian Bay. So anyone nice. who feels like going for a drive. Yeah, there might be some stalkers out there. You never know. But don't, don't live stream it, all right? Just uh, enjoy yourself. No, no, we definitely won't. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Have a good weekend. Have good on good, you. Thanks, have, Greg. And congratulations good, yeah. to Annie, too, of course. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. That was Greg Farrell, who is the coach of NPL Subiaco Women's and director of coaching at Futsal WA. Lots of football there yeah, in two absolutely. hours, Dave. Yeah. Great work. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Up next is Lennon Baggs Groove and the Jazz Show. So stay listening and we're back next week to talk more football. Of course, enjoy your weekend. Bye, all. 